0: This is Cyber Defense Radio, with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today is a very special guest. Ashley Monraj is the Chief Technology Officer of Pivotal Technologies, which is PVOTAL.tech. He's also a cybersecurity expert. This is gonna be a great conversation we're talking about the digital transformation at light speed. Ashley, welcome to the hot seat.
1: Thank you, Gary. 1st um, I'd like to rapidly give you a bit of context. So I've uh, been doing a lot of um, security uh, for mobile, security for critical infrastructure, for hardware, and finally got more into the large payment systems and critical systems afterwards. Uh, my objective was mainly to focus on how to improve next generation cloud uh, computing, how to improve containers, how to improve analytics. And uh, from that experience, we noticed that at the end of it, before transitioning into Pivotal, that the the big issue encountered by those large organizations is the inadequacy of the processes uh, for managing the security, managing the cloud assets, for example, uh, having Uh, on-premise, one global prod network versus on cloud, if managed uh, better, you could have multiple projects and multiple shared VPCs and have multiple uh, rules that to be managed and those internal processes didn't really match up, that's just one example. Um, And when when you start thinking about the recent movement in the past 10 years towards containers and left shifting, uh, which means that everything is closer in code, and um, you tend to use way less servers, but instead way more code. Uh, The the methodology kind of changes and uh, that's where we wanted to contribute and provide way more value than let's say consulting groups that don't provide the interconnect between the different layers of uh, cloud configurations, IAM, project, shared VPC provide all of those for large enterprise customers that don't want to have a lot of SaaS, that want to be more focused on premise, less third party, our methodology tends to care for them. And uh, we're using a term called uh, venture builder now for uh, the type of uh, builders uh, that addresses uh, systematically the ends of, uh, of large enterprise customers with very little third parties, but using a lot of open source a lot of cloud uh, native features and trying to reduce uh, the operational cost by having more efficient uh, microservices. And in our case, Uh, Go and gRPC make it basically maybe kind of uh, increase a bit the development cost due to the complexity of those new systems. But it it reduces it by a factor, let's say, of five long-term compared to Node.js REST. And 15 times compared to Java, REST-based systems for our version of high transactional systems. So, um, it, the, basically, to justify the transition to our more secure, templated, uh, better managed versions and operations, we get way lower operational costs. Uh, the other advantages we have experience we've been doing quite 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 a few times uh, in uh, retail in uh, 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 in retail, uh, in e-commerce, in uh, World Cup uh, entertainment systems, and focusing recently more on the high-velocity uh, transactional systems and completely redoing them. So um, that's been our focus. Or we've been helping uh, on, on the other edge governments because we have a practical experience with a new protocol, practical experience, how, how to manage the cloud and those configurations and we think that that expertise doesn't come from only knowing, but experiencing, putting into practice, operating, recruiting, gives, you, gives us a specific uh, vision of what is actually applica- applicable because we've encountered or done ourselves many times, provided advice that we don't do ourselves is just the best case. But when you try to actually implement the use case, that uh, what is provided, for example, by the specific uh, experts you around, you end up with systems that are very, very hard to manage because you're after following it, you realize that you're one of the rare ones that was actually apply, applying it in reality. So our objective as a group was to uh, not only be more efficient but also experience with the new technologies, put them into practice, uh, leverage them with more automation, better IAM, better segregation, container first, use all those properties that people want to have, but we've been uh, actually leveraging them uh, to achieve a state that we're now calling low ops, where uh, the patterns are better defined. You need less operation people, you need less analysts, you need less uh submissions uh, in uh, ticketing systems and you left shift more towards code and security review is also done in code operations is more oriented towards code and uh, terms that we mentioned now such as infrastructure as code and so that's kind of our core focus on uh, building venture building for large groups uh, making sure those engines work with a lot of automation and try to uh, make it uh, more efficient and cheaper. Uh, in order to serve more people, going from bigger to smaller instead of the usual uh, mechanisms followed by uh, startups or tech groups, which is smaller to bigger, because we've noticed that if you don't follow the operational structure, uh, the business lines of a group, and try to address that from the uh, get-go, you won't do the opposite. It's impossible to do from small to big, but once you do multiple business lines, it's easier to go to one business line and one layer of control. And so it from bigger to smaller is easier as a transition, but you need to have better interfaces. You need more polished products going smaller. So that's why
0: we're doing more code and higher end of the spectrum for now. That's wonderful. And really to have a digital transformation, a lot of governments, a lot of e-commerce and um, banking and other really high-end transaction uh, needed uh, folks they may not have the skill set to do 5, 10, 50,000 transactions you know, uh, a minute or even 5,000 a second. And you've got that experience. You've done that not only fast, uh, I call it light speed, but secure and and easy to maintain. And on compliance, what do you guys do to help your clients deal with regulations?
1: So one of the big questions we we get or we usually ask back when we start is, where do you want your uh, infrastructure to be deployed and in, in which cloud? And so depending on that answer, it defines uh, exactly a country and a data center. And we usually have three subregions. but that applies to, then, and then we use our libraries and patterns and open source code based on ORI to deploy into the authentication, the applicative services. And then uh, we also deploy an analytics project for, for them. The first two we try as much as possible to respect the most stringent right to forget uh, regulation and uh, uh, not only regulation but good practices uh, in terms of user perspective because i think it's it's a fundamental right to have a right to be forgotten Uh, where it becomes a a bit more of an issue is the delineation of who owns uh, the, the massive data set on the analytic side of things where uh, the data only contains UUIDs, it lost maybe, it, sometimes it loses, but sometimes not the, the association first name, last name, or uh, to the UUID um, for banking or other domains. That information is required for at least five years. So must it be stored without any human having access to it? Does the company own it? Or does once we sc- remove the first name, last name, does the rest of the property is or the data set owned by the company or owned by the person? That's where I think the crux of the issue lies now. Because on the applicative end, if done correctly, it can be it can be removed on the analytics end. That's where it, it, it's a bit more tricky in order to have an easy way to answer correctly compliance. It's more of a case-by-case basis and the laws of that specific country for the analytics part.
0: And you're used to dealing with those cases and those issues and scale. What about, you know, what's scaling lately is artificial intelligence and BARD and ChatGPT and Bing and these APIs and the data lakes. And a lot of companies are making API calls, but maybe they're not thinking about the privacy risks or compliance risks. And then on the bad, bad side, the, the bad guys are maybe poisoning data lakes. Where where do, Where does this lead with AI and what can you do to help your clients? So now that we've uh, figured out a big part of the
1: applicative to high high volume, we're leveraging the concept of even sourcing uh, at scale, which is rare, Um, but that's kind of our main technology key plus leveraging gRPC and gRPC web, which are other technologies that are more efficient than REST. Um, Now we've been focusing lately more in the past three or four months on Uh, leveraging uh, AI for specific use case where the data is a bit more public. Uh, The reason being uh, the data of a model uh, is still uh, embedded in the weights of a model. So it's using fairly large language model, such as for um, uh, using a chat for an FAQ, using um, very specific use cases of uh, embedding questions for Uh, historical perspective or historical stats. So those use cases can embed because it's public data, but when it gets very tricky, and that's where I think uh, where the big uh, platforms are doing as well, is they're leveraging multiple smaller models that can be also technically large language models, but they're not leveraging the detailed weights of it. And they end up querying uh, applicative databases or vector databases that contained real data in order to prevent the models from hallucinating and giving data that they shouldn't from a, a, a particular person. And so that's, I think, where we're going to be orienting ourselves, where we're going to see more and more uh, advanced large language models kind of embedded in the browsers or embedded in the applications. Right now, the the throughput of tokens is gonna be low because most uh, consumer hardware doesn't have a lot of AI, a dedicated hardware, but that's what I think in the end will power a lot of the efficient queries is a a local model with maybe a local um, database of weights that could be personal to the person and efficient in the query of the information that you need to consume from from your uh, from your cloud account or your 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 personal account. I think we oriented ourselves towards more models, more dedicated, smaller, more efficient, better trained, rather than trying um, like it was in the case on public data, where we're trying to make them as big as possible with as more weight as possible, but also make gigantic mistakes. Because as a company or making software for large large uh, large companies, large groups that don't want to have SaaS. But they also don't want to make errors because security is not only in pure security it's security of integrity of data and if we provide you wrong answers about your balance and you make a mistake you don't want to be liable so that's why i think it, it's very very important for the next generation of ai models deployed in production to be accurate and uh, to remove that component of mistake is to uh, segregate the memory of the models but I think the progression in terms of large language models and uh, particularly retentive networks recently uh, for performance is very, very interesting. And we've been keeping an eye on retentive networks. I think they've been announced by Microsoft Research on on August. Uh, This is very, very promising uh, for uh, training and scalability. Um, And uh, yeah, that's the the big aspect. And you mentioned the last aspect of AI concerning uh, Uh, attacks and uh, their impacts that they might cause if they're misused. Indeed, uh, I think the cat is already out of the bag from a certain aspect on that part. The the weights from extremely large models were already published, such as Lama 2, and uh, the models from the Dubai Institute of Technology, Falcon, were also published. So uh, Malicious Group can already use them to address some of their shortcomings, uh, in terms of uh, post recognizance uh, post-exploitation, initial exploitation, um, I think uh, on the defensive end it's harder to ma- to make sure that it protects. But on the attacker end of things, I think it greatly speeds up attacks. The threat model that we used in the past, where we expect the attackers not to be not to not not to be too knowledgeable or not to be too quick, I think is is rapidly getting. We have to think uh, more in terms of complete security instead of threat modeling, uh, particularly for large-scale enterprise and government defense. And I think from that perspective, we're somewhat better placed because we saw that coming to a certain extent. Our low ops model focuses on pure containers and containers that are read-only and only with uh, the, the, the Go binary and so from that perspective, the attack surface is a lot lower. You only have to upgrade your binary in, in your deployments. And you don't have any Cgo or statically, uh, exactly statically typed libraries associated. And so our model focusing more on uh, uh, being cloud first, being container first, uh, is adapted to that new world a bit more. And I think more groups should be focusing. We've we've seen that anyway. Uh, Sixty to seventy-five percent of companies are going to Kubernetes and Docker, but they're not making that additional effort of securing their images to be uh, scratch images. They're not doing the additional effort of getting, uh, I mean, service meshes such as Istio to even lock down further the communication between services and authorization. And finally, the big topic that. We've been making efforts towards uh, authorization engines. Um, Authorization engines basically allow to put rules of who owns what. It's not only who you are, but uh, authentication that defines what you have access to. It's what uh, what objects or what do you share with others. That's authorization. We've been working a while since the white paper from Google of 2018 called Zanzibar We've re-implemented that and we want to a certain extent, re-leverage our authorization engine on the model's memory uh, to be reused. And that's kind of one of the last aspects of R&D that we've been doing is to better leverage uh, authorization already well done for the applicative side um, to, to AI.
0: Now, Pivotal Technologies doesn't just help in building a digital transformation in the cloud and deploying New products or services for clients who might not have the skill to do high volume secure transactions, but you also, uh, I believe you 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 solve this problem not only in the back end but on the front end. You deploy mobile apps for your clients. You help build end to end soup to nuts.
1: Yes, so just like we've mentioned a bit before, that I'm sorry to come to come back to it, but uh, the concept of uh, uh, reducing your footprint, uh, having less third parties. Also can also apply to front-end. And so we've been using Flutter and Dart. And Flutter and Dart uh, has a fundamental property in terms of security that allows you to, from one code base and from their constraint solver in the front, transpile the code to web, Android, iOS, Mac, Linux, and fundamentally skip some vulnerabilities such as XSS, uh, reduce the, the number of potential issues uh, in the browsers. Uh, and from that point of view, we've been focusing a lot on Flutter and Dart. And uh, we've been working for years on it and we've been incorporating uh, our ad, we're using gRPC and gRPC web, running on HTTP2, which are more advanced. That's kind of our advantage in backend, but you can only do that in backend if your front-end supports it. And, and so we've been using uh, uh, Flutter for a while and. Uh, having we bundled with that the oris stack for authentication. And so we end up with a system that costs much lower, that is easier to deploy, that requires less developers. So one set of developer in Flutter, given it's harder now to find Flutter developers than other native types, but uh, with our Flutter developers, we can deploy the app for one client in web, but also in Android or iOS on their on the uh, on the stores if they do wish to do so, but also PWA. If you guys haven't heard about PWA, is just uh, a web deployment that's a bit more advanced and performs uh, quite a bit better caching and can be installed on Android or iOS without using the app store.
0: That's amazing. Ashley, is there anything else you want to share with our viewers and listeners that Pivotal Technologies uh, does and problems you solve uh, that we haven't covered?
1: Uh, well we talk a bit about ai we've talked a lot about uh, transactional systems but at the end of the day we wanted to provide uh as a venture builder a group that transforms and 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 uh, provides a better long term solution using new protocols and more advanced development or auto patching those are all aspects related to maintenance but at the end of the day um you need and you want to have uh, the problem offloaded to a secure and trustable third party to deliver the project end-to-end. And we've been doing that for quite a few times. And uh, our objective is to bring uh, high-quality cores that deal into multiple domains, whether it's large events, uh, it's transactional system, payment system, e-commerce, high transactional, Uh, high velocity uh, transactional platforms. Uh, We want to lower that cost eventually, lower the cost and the entry to multiple clouds by standardizing infrastructure and creating more piecemeal products out of it. it. It's our objective, but as opposed to maybe a few groups, we're not going from the smaller end to the bigger end. We want to make sure to correctly address enterprise concerns And multiple business lines, uh, the responsibilities in terms of code and multiple people. So we go from IAC, from best development practices on the high end of enterprise, and then trying to go uh, to the smaller end. And uh, that's our objective, and to provide not
0: only advice, but provide you uh, an entire portion of code that solves your problem. That's wonderful. And I think. Pivotal Technologies offers some visionary leadership in these areas, whether it's moving to the cloud, dealing with AI, regulatory compliance, high volume transactions in a stable, secure, high availability way. You've you figured it out and your clients won't have to figure it out. They just need to visit your website and learn more. So I want to send our viewers and listeners to pvotal.tech. Ashley, you are the CTO of an amazing company. I want to thank you for a wonderful hot seat today. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24
1: by 7 by 365 live streams, Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Milewski.